Hello, guys, and welcome to the College Basketball Team Building Podcast. I am your host, Greg V. And if you've listened to a podcast of mine before, welcome back. If this is your first time, welcome to an action-packed, filled college basketball podcast. I think you're going to learn a lot. Uh, If you have no idea what this podcast is about or what the heck college basketball team building is supposed to entail, I encourage you to listen to the intro podcast. So today we are going to be talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes outlook for the 2021 and 2022 season. This year's Ohio State Buckeyes team was a lot like a lot of Ohio State teams recently, uh, they were able to make the tournament only to lose early in the tournament. Chris Holman has done a very good job of building this team up. They had kind of fallen off in 2016, 2017, but uh, has gotten them back to be a uh, back to being, excuse me, a perennial tournament team. And you know, 2018 they get bounced in the second round by Gonzaga. 2019 they lose in the second round to Houston. Last year's team in 2020 was a really good Ohio State team that probably would have been, you know, in that in that top two to three line. Unfortunately, the tournament got canceled, and then this year it was a complete disaster against number 15 seed Oral Roberts. They lost in overtime there by three. And Chris Holtman likes to play that slowdown style. Ohio State's never got a got an up-tempo team. Uh, they were a little bit small this year. This wasn't your classic Big Ten team. They ran about 6'8 to 6'7 on the front line. And they ran really good sets. Uh, they're very impressive to watch offensively. They were able to get their star players like EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington in positions where they were going one-on-one or getting good position on the block in EJ's case. So Ohio State had a, had a tremendous year. Uh, only to get you know one of the bigger upsets in as far as seeding goes in NCAA tournament history, losing to Oral Roberts, who it turns out was actually a pretty good team, probably a little bit underseeded. But Ohio State obviously should not have lost that game, and their tournament struggles continue, having not been able to get to the Sweet 16 since 2013 when they made it to the Elite Eight, ultimately losing to Wichita State. As we said, with Chris Holman, he runs very good half court sets this guy knows how to maximize talent isn't bringing in like stellar recruiting classes has lost some recruits over these uh couple years like luther muhammad and um dj carton to transfers a couple of four stars there and still keeps this train rolling on ken palm this year they ranked as the number 11 team overall in the nation including the fourth best offense in the nation behind gonzaga and baylor who are in the championship championship game and Iowa, who had the possible player of the year in Luca Garza. Unfortunately for Ohio State, their demise really was on defense. They were the 82-second adjusted defense in the nation. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that, A, they lack size, and then, B, they don't really make a lot of plays on defense. They didn't have a player on this team that had averaged more than a steal a game and only one player averaged more than a block a game, and that was E.J. Liddell with exactly 1.1 blocks per game, so barely exceeding the one-block threshold there. But this team played very well on offense. They were very tough to stop. They shot the ball well. They ran very good sets. They know when to push it, but a lot of times they're looking to slow it down and play that efficient style, try to get E.J. Liddell the ball as much as possible. And when we look at some of the players that – we uh, we expect we'll come back or return. This team's a little bit tough to evaluate. Uh, I, there's nobody on this team that I think has what it takes to be a first-round pick this season going towards the NBA. 
there's the potential for repeat seniors on this team, although I would sense that probably one of the guys is going to go, and then they do have a transfer that's already hit the portal. And I ex- I don't know that I expect, but I suspect that there could be another transfer or two coming down the pike. So we'll start with uh, just kind of looking at their roster, looking at the guys that are leaving or possibly could be leaving. The first guy is a transfer, Musa Jallo. He is in, he is uh, showed his intent to transfer. He will not return. I read his statement. It was a very emotional kind of goodbye to Ohio State. Uh, a guy that played very good defense. He was a defensive chess piece for Chris Holtman. I would suspect that he does not return. And obviously transfers that enter the portal can come back. So I should preface with that. I do not expect Musa Jallo to come back. He is likely gone. 99.9% will not return. Another guy that I don't expect to see back is former Florida State transfer CJ Walker. Uh, he will be 25 years of age next season. Uh, therefore, I just do not expect him to return. Uh, a guy that could make some plays for Ohio State. Uh, they're going to miss his playmaking a lot. But his defense kind of left a lot to be desired. And was one of those guys that offensively they needed. Uh, because there were times, especially down the stretch, where it was really just Dwayne Washington Jr. and C.J. Walker making plays. And C.J. Walker also did lead this team in assists. So offensively, they're going to miss his abilities to... Uh, to make some plays shot 41% from the field, 26% from three. So not an efficient guy, but when he got hot, he definitely contributed to that fourth ranked offense offensive efficiency. Those are the two guys, honestly, that stick out to me as far as they're probably not coming back. So let's get into the rest of the team. Um, The first guy we're going to look at is EJ Liddell. Now he has submitted his name into the NBA draft. He has not signed an agent. There is a a lot of speculation that he will not stay in the draft, that he will come back. Based on what his draft stock probably will be, it's probably a good idea to come back. However, his physical profile screams of a guy that's probably not ever going to be on the NBA radar seriously. I don't even know if he'll be a second round pick caliber of player, just kind of a tweener forward. He's a low post guy, doesn't shoot the ball amazing from three, although he did shoot 33% from three. He's going to have to get that up even more. And I think this year he really tried to step out and not just be a low block player. He's a he's a heady player, gets good rebounds, doesn't really have a ton of defensive value in, in the NBA. So it's going to be tough for him. So he may decide he just wants to go pro. In that case, that would be a, a surprise. I do expect EJ Liddell to return to the front court, though. Just losing to Oral Roberts, and and he has a chance to win Big Ten Player of the Year and just really cement himself as a, as a, a guy with a legacy at Ohio State. I do think he returns. Uh, the next guy we're going to look at is Dwayne Washington Jr. He's probably the one player on this team that I would say has a shot at the NBA. I don't know that he would get drafted. You know, maybe back in the second round. He hit a lot of tough shots this season. Proved to be a pretty good shot maker. Did shoot 41% from the field, 37% from the line. Uh you know, has a decent handle, is able to get in the lane. Uh, definitely is a pretty pretty solid finisher over size. He's not super athletic and he's not like a super size guy. So I don't ever foresee him being like a first rounder unless he really just becomes this lethal outside shooter um, and just tough shot maker, which he's pretty good right now. He's another guy that has a chance to be pick 10 player of the year next year. And 
led the team in minutes this year, led the team in scoring, had a really uh, a really good season and kind of led this team from the backcourt standpoint. I ex- fully expect him to return to Ohio State. Uh, the next guy we're going to look at is Justice Suing. He's a transfer from Cal. Uh, had a really strong year this year. 10 points per game, five and a half rebounds. He brings defensive versatility. He can play that front court and also can handle the ball from the perimeter. Uh, 6'7 guy. Um, I, again, fully expect him to be back, and he's an integral part of this team. Shot 49% from the field and 36% from three this year. So he had a really, really nice season. And then we're going to look at Kyle Young. Kyle Young is probably another guy that I'm not sure about. I'm not sure that he returns next season. Uh, he will be 24 years old. He has his master's degree from what I was reading. He is six foot eight, but I have this feeling he will return because he did suffer a concussion in the Big Ten tournament, did not play in the NCAA tournament. And with Kyle Young, I would I would have suspected they probably would have beat Oral Roberts because he was such a important connector on that team and just a versatile defender, a dirty work guy, a guy that just makes things difficult, plays with a good IQ on the defensive side of the ball, and really shot the three great this season, shot 43% from deep, led the team. He was just kind of a do-everything guy and complimented the Dwayne Washington, C.J. Walker playmaking very well did all the dirty work and just really hurt their depth because they did play their starters a lot. This wasn't a Leonard Hamilton. If you listen to the prior podcast, Leonard Hamilton plays a ton of players, a ton of minutes. This Ohio State team was more top heavy. So to take Kyle Young's 26 minutes a game out, I thought really hurt Ohio State and they were never able to really recover against Oral Roberts, although they did beat Michigan without Kyle Young. So they should have beat Oral Roberts, but that being said, when we're talking about Kyle Young, I just think that there's some unfinished business there. I do expect him back. If he doesn't come back, then um, you know they have some other forwards that they can turn to here. Uh, Justin Ahrens is next. He played 18 minutes a game. He was kind of the sixth man as far as minutes go. Did did get some starts throughout the season. Uh, shot 42% from three, so he can really shoot. He's a six foot six guy. He'll be a senior in uh, 2021-2022 season. Uh, just, yeah, just pretty much is what he is. He's a, he's a three-point shooting forward, got some good size. He tries hard on defense, not much of a rebounder, not a playmaker, not a, not a difference maker on defense, but a good role player to have. And a guy that if Kyle Young did leave, I could totally see Justin Ahrens slipping into his spot and, and providing you know, uh, a little bit different dimension as a guy you have to really respect. Although Kyle, Kyle Young did outshoot him from three last year. So it would be a clear downgrade if Justin Ahrens had to replace Kyle Young. Um, the next guy we're going to look at here is Zed Key. He was a true freshman last year. A big body dude that really came in key for them at times, especially with EJ Liddell sometimes getting in foul trouble. EJ Liddell had a monstrous task last year at playing the five at six foot seven in the Big Ten, which the Big Ten was just chock full of centers that were big and good, including the National Player of the Year candidate Luca Garza. Zed Key came in and banged bodies uh, as a true freshman, did get 11 minutes a game as a direct backup to EJ Liddell. A little bit limited defensively as far as his mobility and his shot blocking, only averaged 0.7 blocks a game, which was second on the team, but is not a tremendous number. Although 11 minutes a game, you extrapolate that out. He's getting over a block and a half a game probably in real playing time. Did shoot 61% from the field, has a soft touch around the rim. It'd be interesting to see what his role is next year if, if they try to play him and Liddell together or if it's going to be a similar uh, minutes uh, layout for him. 
They also had Seth Towns, the transfer from, I believe it's Harvard, uh, averaged 3.8 points a game. Seth Towns, uh, while he was at Harvard, um, did average 16 points a game and shot the ball 44% from three. So I think what he brought to the table was a little disappointing. I think they were expecting some big things out of him. He could definitely return next year. And if, especially if a guy like Kyle Young does leave, um, I could see Towns maybe doing uh, having an increased role, maybe being a starter. But to go from 16 points a game to 3.8 points a game was a huge uh, loss. And I know he is he has experienced some injuries. I don't. The last time he played college basketball was in 2017, 2018. So it's been a long road for him. It'll be interesting to see if he returns. He'd be a repeat senior next year. Obviously, we covered Musajalo. He's transferred. Jimmy Sotos is another guy transferring in from Bucknell, only averaging a point, 1.7 points per game in nine minutes in 12 games. And he, I wouldn't expect that he would have a big role next year if he returns. And I think his role really got stolen by Michi Johnson late in the season. Michi Johnson was a 17-year-old that comes over, was supposed to be in this uh, this upcoming recruiting class in 2021. He graduates high school early. He joins Ohio State and plays in 17 games, kind of cuts into Sotos's backup point guard minutes, gets uh, 1.2 points per game, provides energy, some ball handling, uh, ability to kind of be a connector on offense. Really like what I saw from him, considering he's 17 years old and didn't even have like a off season with the team. He just came right out of high school and gave them uh, another guard to go to behind CJ Walker, Dwayne Washington, and Musa Jalo. And then uh, a couple of just guys to watch probably for next year: Eugene Brown, the third freshman guard. Uh, pretty good size there. He only averaged a point per game, but he's six six. He can do some things with the basketball, and then like obviously the defensive versatility comes with being a six six guard with some length. I think he's one to watch for next year. And Ibrahima Diallo, uh, six foot ten center, would have been nice to have honestly because he's easily he's got the guy he's the guy on the team with the most size and length. Um, he has some defensive skills coming out as a sophomore. Uh, this season but the offense just isn't there and the body needs to develop probably so I you know I wouldn't be surprised if Diallo came up and really rose up the ranks next year as they try to search for size down low and maybe somebody to pair with EJ Liddell but as it stands right now only played five games this year two minutes a game he was really a bench warmer so that's kind of what Ohio State has they should be pretty much the same or a similar team. Losing Musajalo is a loss. They don't have that kind of defensive maestro now to just put on the other team's best player. And he was a chess piece for them. Obviously, I do think CJ Walker does not come back. He probably has pro potential overseas. Don't know that he's even a G League guy, but I think he can definitely make a living overseas. And then Kyle Young is definitely a wild card. Like, does he just decide he wants to get his life started or try to play pro overseas? Or does he want to run this thing back? And I, I do think ultimately... As beloved as he is, they will try to run this thing back with Kyle Young. So I'd expect Liddell suing Washington Jr., Kyle Young, Orange, Key, Towns, and Michi Johnson back. Although I wouldn't be shocked if Towns transferred to a team where he could be more of the focal point next season. So now we're going to look at the incoming players for Ohio State. And they land a transfer that should play a lot for them next year. And then two commitments. Um, they have the 43rd ranked recruiting class, 7th ranked in the Big Ten. 
uh, just the two commits, one four-star, one three-star. We're going to get started with the transfer in Jamari Wheeler, the point guard transfer from Penn State. He will be a repeat senior next season. His freshman year, he played 39 games, 15 minutes a game. Only shot the ball 34% from the field. But here is where Jamari Wheeler is going to make a big impact for Ohio State. He will immediately be their best defensive guard. He averaged 1.3 assists as a, uh, 1.3 steals, excuse me, as a freshman. That ranked 11th in the Big Ten. And then he averaged 1.5 steals his sophomore year, 1.5 steals his junior year, and then 1.8 steals last year. He has been in the top five in steals the last three seasons, including leading the conference in steals in 2019 and 2020. So this guy has a defensive awareness. He is a playmaker on that side of the ball. In his sophomore year, he also averaged 3.2 assists a game. In the last year, 3.5 assists a game. He also had 4.2 rebounds a game. He's a guy that's going to scrap and do everything except probably score efficiently. Only shot the ball 39% from the field last year, 35% from three. He's not very big at 6'1", 170, and he was unranked coming to Penn State. So his emergence has been um, more than anybody probably thought he would be, but he is a dog defensively. And that is something Ohio State sorely uh, sorely needed uh, last season. They didn't really have a guard that can muddy it up. And C.J. Walker, if if he decides to ultimately leave, which is what I am projecting, Jamari Wheeler should slide right into that starting point guard. Offensively, he's not going to be C.J. Walker. He struggles at the line. He only shot 62% from the line last year, 58% the year before. Uh, he's never been a good free throw shooter. He's not an amazing... Um, you know, he's not. He's just not a guy that's shouldered a big scoring load over his career. Now, could he do it? It's possible. I mean, he's not super athletic vertically. He's decently quick. Uh, it only averaged seven points a game last year as a senior at Penn State in 31 minutes. So I don't think offensively he's going to be uh, C.J. Walker, but I think defensively he's going to be a huge improvement and is going to get this team going out on the break a little bit more and, and kind of get some easier buckets maybe off of the defensive end. So he's going to be fun to watch on that side of the basketball. So I would expect Jamari Wheeler next year is probably going to directly replace C.J. Walker's minutes and be a starter at point guard. He has played in the Big Ten for four years, so he is definitely ready to rock. Um, So really like that pickup for Ohio State as a replacement to C.J. Walker. Uh, The next guy that we're going to look at is the four-star recruit out of St. Vincent St. Mary's and he's nearly a five-star recruit it's Malachi Branham he is six foot four 175 pounds Akron Ohio that's the same high school St. Vincent St. Mary's as most people know LeBron James went to he's the number one player in the state of Ohio and very nearly a five-star as I had mentioned He had offers from Alabama, Baylor, and others. He commits to Ohio State. This is a big-time get for the Buckeyes. Uh, Keeps this guy, keeps a great talent in state. He is a very confident player. I think one thing I, I noticed is he doesn't, he's not afraid to stare people down. He's not afraid to flex on people. And he is a slasher. He's looking to get to the rim, put his head down, and elevate and get buckets that way. His shooting, I think, is going to be a, a deciding factor in, in just how good he is going to become. But he's not much of a combo guard. Like, I do not see a lot of point guard skills for him. Like, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's looking to get to the rim and get a bucket. 
and um kind of in the same fashion that like Dwayne Washington, the way he plays a little bit. Uh, probably Dwayne right now is a little bit better of a shot maker from from distance. Uh, can Branham get to that point? I'm not sure. They have him listed as 175 on 24-7 sports. He looks more to me like a 190, 195. He looks to be a little more built than, than 175. He plays pretty strong. He finishes through contact. He played some really good schools, being at St. Mary's. So he's not going to be hugely... The transition to the Big Ten is not going to be a huge jump the way it is for some, you know, somebody that played at smaller schools or medium-sized schools. I think next year, when I look at his playing time and when I, when I kind of assess where he fits... Right now, he can't, kind of seems like a direct uh, replacement for Dwayne Washington Jr. off the bench. And then also, you know, Dwayne or him could play the three. Uh, they would get a little bit small if they were to go with Dwayne Washington, Malachi Branham, and say Jamari Wheeler. Um, but we'll see. As far as on the defensive end, uh, Branham's got some good length, good size. I see no reason why he can't be a solid defender at the uh at the next level um he is a solid athlete i i don't think he's going to be the type of guy to throw down windmills and stuff like that but he's getting enough elevation and should show enough strength to finish through contact so as we were talking about Dwayne washington would be the direct replacement i really don't see brandon starting i think he will have every shot though to come off the bench i mean the guard rotation is really wide open next year I do foresee him having a a little bit of a battle with Eugene Brown for some playing time, but Branham should have every opportunity to usurp a guy that only played six minutes a game last year. And Branham coming in with a little bit more fanfare than Eugene Brown did. And Branham could see anywhere from 10 to 17 minutes right off the bat coming off the bench. And then depending on how he plays could see that go up to 20 or maybe get in the starting lineup depending on how his defense is. Because uh, the only way that he's really going to get in there is if Jamari Wheeler, uh, if he can play with Jamari Wheeler and Dwayne Washington. And that's that's going to be defensively challenging, especially considering that they're looking small down low. And, uh, you know, if you have Kyle Young back, I really just don't see a path to him getting on the court with Kyle Young just suing EJ Liddell as entrenched starters. So the, the best case scenario I see right now for Branham is being that six man off the bench and just kind of coming in and really trying to bring it defensively, putting the ball on the deck. I think he could potentially get eight to 10 points a game next year. Um, and as far as NBA prospects, he's going to have to show a jumper. He's not super versatile. There's pretty much no way he's a one and done. I do think he'll be at Ohio State for two, maybe three years. Perhaps he could be there for four years. We'll see. This is a good recruit, though, and this is going to give them pop off the bench because they badly need guards with the transfer of Jallo and the likely departure of C.J. Walker. Branham's going to be that, hopefully that sixth, seventh man off the bench and that third guard in the rotation. The next guy we're going to look at is Kalen Etzler. He's out of Crestview High School in Convoy, Ohio. Number 143rd player in the nation, third-ranked player in Ohio. He is 6'8", 195 pounds. And I'm not going to lie, he does. He looks lighter to me than Branham does at 6'8". He is skinny. Um, the way he plays, though, is very intriguing. He's a 6'8", listed as a power forward on 24-7 sports. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's more of a... A small forward, combo forward type. He can put the ball on the deck. He can hit some tough threes fading away. Um, He can hit off the dribble. 
And granted, I will say the the level of competition that I saw when I watched him play was not impressive. He was going up against a lot of smaller players. It, it appeared to be a high school in a small town. And the league just didn't look impressive. So there is going to be... There's a lot of unknowns with this guy. There's going to be a developmental. There's there's going to be a development for his body that needs to take place. There's also going to be a transition in level of play. But he has a lot of ability. He if he had played at St. Vincent St. Mary's and was doing the things he was doing at Crestview, he would be a lot higher. I think he'd be more of like a four star because um, he does have a lot of talent to kind of play outside and could become a lethal three point shooter in time. He just does need to put on some muscle. He's just right now he would get bullied in the Big Ten. I don't think he'd be a factor inside. He'd kind of just be a three-point specialist at this point. So it would not shock me if he registered, especially with the amount of forwards that Ohio State has that are re- that are likely to return. He would be sitting probably sixth or seventh on the forward depth chart. And I do not think his guard skills are good enough to play like a like a wing exclusively he's gonna have to do a little bit of everything so wouldn't shock me if they go ahead and redshirt him if he does make the team ultimately I think you're looking at a guy that's probably not gonna play the full slate of games could maybe see like four or five minutes a game kind of like what we saw from Eugene Brown and the back of the bench guys but I think his long-term prospects are intriguing if they can develop this guy I think he's definitely got a lot of upside to potentially uh, be a starter you know, as soon as as uh, as the season after this, so the 2002, 2022, uh, 2023 season, when likely a lot of these forwards, Suing, Young, Aaron's, Towns are all gone, there's going to be a potential role there for Etzler. I just think this year is going to be a big transition year, but they're they're sitting on something something interesting here with Etzler and how he transitions to the college game. Forget the Big Ten, just the college game in general. Is going to be something that I'm, I'm just I'm just waiting and seeing on. So that's the additions for Ohio State. Jamari Wheeler, who should start at point guard. Malachi Branham, I see a big role off the bench for him. And then Kalen Etzler is a possible red shirt or back of the bench type with a lot of pretty good upside for the future. We're now going to look at some of the players that Ohio State is still in the running in on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. The first guy we're going to look at here is a guy that we analyze in the Florida State podcast Ohio State is also in on Efton Reed the 6 foot 11 225 pound center from IMG Academy he has visited Virginia um, he also is concerning Florida State NC State and the Ohio State University Efton Reed would be a welcome addition to Ohio State I think he would fit in a lot better there than say Florida State and could potentially start for Ohio State right off the bat depending on what a guy like Kyle Young does uh, I, I think initially if Efton Reed were to join this team he would probably come off the bench and be the first guy off the bench and it would probably spell bad news for Zed Key because Efton Reed is more of a a um, back to the basket not super athletic very good skill he can finish in the post he's a guy you're, you're probably going to run offense through and ideally I think they would start somebody like Efton Reed along with EJ Liddell push EJ Liddell to the four and, and, and Liddell can shoot the ball and they can actually run offense through Reed and then bump Kyle Young or Justice Suing uh, to the bench 
Obviously, if Kyle Young left, I think Efton Reed would fit seamlessly into the starting lineup with Liddell, Suing, Washington, and Jamari Wheeler. But I, I do like him in the Ohio State system. They like to run a methodical style. They don't like to run a super up-tempo, which is perfect for what Efton, the way Efton Reed plays. And they like to run plays to get their guys the basketball. He would be a really good fit for Ohio State. And he's, Ohio State is very much in the running for him. Uh, they've offered him, and he is in their top four. Another guy that they are in on is Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the nation, seven foot, one hundred ninety pounds, center that plays like a guard, shoots like a guard, dribbles like a guard. He's just he's probably going to be the number one pick in the two thousand twenty two NBA draft. Right now, he is projected to go to Gonzaga. Uh, he is also uh, looking at Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. So there, Ohio State is in the mix here. I, uh, a lot of people suspect that he will go to Gonzaga, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on him. It doesn't look like Ohio State has as much of a chance in him. Obviously, if Chet Holmgren came to Ohio State, he would automatically start at center. EJ Liddell would move to the four, and that would give them a huge, huge boost and probably take their class from like the number seven one in the Big Ten to probably number one or number two. But obviously, if you have not seen Chet Holmgren play, go watch him on YouTube. He's kind of a unicorn, kind of like a Kevin Durant style player with his height and guard skills. Super skinny. So there could be some issues with uh, Big Ten physicality that might push him a lot to the perimeter. So it would be interesting. But on defense, he's going to be a shot blocker right out the gate obviously not as super likely that he goes to Ohio State it does look like Gonzaga has got the inside track for him another center that they're looking at as you can see they're looking center is Charles Bediaco the 6'11 215 pound center also from IMG Academy same school as Efton Reed he is the he is ranked slightly behind Efton Reed as the number four center in the class number 26 nationally he is Projected to go to Alabama. However, Duke, Michigan, Ohio State, and Texas are all in the mix. Ohio State has offered him a scholarship. Uh, another guy that would be very interesting as a potential starter for Ohio State. He has a huge wingspan. Um, not a not a super athletic guy, but he can finish around the rim. And he does have the skill, kind of like Efton Reed. They're, they're kind of similar in that regard, that they're not superb athletes, but great skill players, which Ohio State really utilizes well. They, they know how to use a skilled big man. So Charles Bediaco or Efton Reed would be great. It looks like Reed, more of a shot to end up at Ohio State than Bediaco, who appears to be headed for Alabama. So that's pretty much where we're at with Ohio State. I, from what I've read, I do believe they add another big like an actual 610 plus center or you know 69 with wingspan they need some defense in the middle i think that was apparent when they played oral roberts those guys were able to get good shots in the paint and they need some rebounding to be able to move ej liddell to the four because right now he's a little bit out of position in the big 10 as a five it's just a lot to handle playing in that spot and then also trying to be uh an outside kind of stretch four stretch five type and it, he's really just not that great of a defender um in the paint you know just for the lack of size so it would take a lot of pressure off him and help their team defense to have a center so expect one of these recruits or a transfer that hasn't transferred in yet to take the five however that has not happened yet so now we're going to summarize what ohio state's going to look like next year you know we ran through the players 
Obviously, the five, I expect, as of right now, I would project EJ Liddell starts at the five next season. Even if they got Efton Reed or Charles Bediaco, I think... EJ Liddell starts the season at the five. And then as the season goes on, maybe Reed would slide in and Kyle Young or Justice Suing would take a, a uh, you know, they would take one for the team and come off the bench. But there's also, that's assuming Kyle Young comes back, which I'm not sure about. So I project EJ Liddell starts at the five. At the four, I would expect Kyle Young to be at the four as of right now. I, ex- I would expect to see Justice Suing at the three. That gives them a, the same exact front court that they had this past season. And then the two guard, I would say Dwayne Washington Jr. obviously slots in there and is going to be a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate, all Big Ten first team guy, as will EJ Liddell. And then the point guard, I expect Jamari Wheeler, the transfer from Penn State, to slot right in there for CJ Walker. If CJ Walker decides to repeat a senior season, then obviously I do think he would be the starter and their their starting lineup would not change. There are a lot of contingencies. Obviously, C.J. Walker stays there. They'll be deeper at guard. If he leaves, it's Jamari Wheeler. If Kyle Young leaves, I would expect Justin Ahrens to get the start early in the season, although you could see potentially a Seth Towns. If E.J. Liddell were to leave, then that would create an issue. Um, I think the center that they would bring in would just slide into his spot and they would keep suing and young. So there's a lot of contingencies. Obviously, if Liddell and Young both leave and CJ Walker, then there's going to be a lot of holes to fill and it could get a little bit ugly next year. But I expect Liddell and Young to be back and CJ Walker to leave. I would expect Ahrens to either start if one of the Fords leaves or come be the first guy off the bench, maybe second guy off the bench, depending on what they have in Malachi Branham. And as for Branham, I expect he gets every shot to play early. If Seth Towns repeats as a senior next year, he's going to be part of the rotation. And then obviously, Michi Johnson, I think we'll see an uptick in playing time. He did get some exposure to the Big Ten this past season. And with all the guards leaving, Michi Johnson could see a huge bump in playing time, up from five minutes to maybe 15 minutes a game as the backup point guard to Jamari Wheeler, who I don't know is going to get 30 minutes a game. Could be closer to 26, 27. And then a guy like Eugene Brown. Eugene Brown definitely will be in competition with Malachi Branham to get that that wing guard role off the bench to be that number one guy. So I think that remains to be seen because Eugene Brown does have some interesting talent. But ultimately, as it projects right now, I think he's probably looking at like 10 minutes a game. With the excess of Musa Jallo, I do think that moves Eugene Brown up the board. Zed Key will also play as a direct backup to EJ Liddell or whatever center they end up getting. I think his minutes could fl- could sit anywhere from 11 to 15. Just kind of depends. And then Ibrahima Diallo, I mean, he's got a long way to go. And if they bring in a big, I don't know that he plays that much. So overall, they have a, they should have a pretty deep team. Obviously, there are some dominoes to fall. We assume Liddell and Kyle Young, but those things could fall through. There could be a surprise transfer. You know, Illinois saw the transfer of Adam Miller out of nowhere. So there are, there are some surprises out there. But expect some combination of Liddell, Suing, Young, Dwayne Washington, Jamari Wheeler, Orange Key, Branham, Eugene Brown, and Seth Towns. Obviously, Etzler, I think, doesn't play as a redshirt candidate. 
So this team looks very similar going into next year. I do think that if the everything returns how we expect, Ohio State will be a preseason top 10 team. I know they lost in the first round this year, but you they are returning almost everybody. And if they can get some size, like they get a center, depending on who they get, this team could definitely be a preseason top five. I think right now top 10 is probably where they'll settle in just because I still think their defense is a huge concern. And losing C.J. Walker is kind of a big deal for their offense. But they have the the I think right now their floor, based on what we have projected, is a preseason top 10. As far as where they land in the Big Ten, they can probably win the Big Ten next year. I would expect E.J. Liddell, Dwayne Washington to both be all Big Ten type guys. And maybe one of those guys can win Big Ten Player of the Year. So that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, Ohio State, put them in the books. We'll see what else they do. It'll be interesting. If they do something else, you know, we'll we'll touch on it briefly in future podcasts. But a really exciting team, a really good team, a really disappointing end to the season. I think a lot of these guys are going to be hungry to, to, uh, to right the wrong the way Virginia kind of did. And I think they are a national championship type of team going into next season we'll watch uh keep an eye on transfers and other things but that'll do it uh thank you for listening if there's anything i can do from a technical standpoint from a content standpoint the length of the podcast it you know if i got something wrong with ohio state if you just have a gross difference of opinion let me know i want to improve my processes as far as research and things like that so just let me know Uh, i'll try to make this thing better my goal is to bring you the data bring you the the transactions and we just dive deep and we try to project what these teams are going to look like so you go into next season ready to go and knowing what you're seeing Uh, i just love talking college basketball so thanks for listening and you guys have a great rest of your day take care